0: We continue in our, our series today, actually our summer series, in, called I Believe. It's hard to believe that it's already been 10 weeks since we've been in this series. Uh, and yet, what have we seen over the last several weeks have we, as we looked at this creed? We've seen just how big and great and glorious our God is. We've seen how loving He is, how compassionate He is. We've seen how powerful he is as he creates the world by simply speaking. We see his strength as he rises from the dead through Jesus. We've seen just how great and glorious our God is. And so here's what my question is to you today. If you could stand before Jesus, let's imagine that Jesus was standing right at the foot of the stairs here. If Jesus was standing right here and you could ask for anything and it would drastically change your life what would you ask for if you could ask jesus for anything that would drastically change your life what would it be for you the man in mark chapter 2 had that very opportunity he came right before jesus had the opportunity to ask him for anything and what we're going to see today is we're going to see what the request was we are going to see jesus response and then we're going to see what it means for you and me living here in the 21st century before we get into mark chapter 2 though i want to give you the context mark chapter 1 is the beginning of jesus ministry he's about 30 years old and uh Let me just put up this map real quick. It might be hard to see, but that big body of water in the middle of your map is the Sea of Galilee. There's a town just on the northern edge of that sea called Capernaum. Jesus was born and raised in Nazareth, uh, in Galilee, but he made his headquarters for his ministry in the town of Capernaum. In Mark chapter 1, we hear Jesus go into that red area known as Galilee, And he traveled around there and he he was preaching, he was teaching. He healed many. In, In one account, Jesus actually sat there in the middle of the town and the whole town brought out all their sick. They brought out all those who had disease and illnesses and he healed all of them. We hear how in Galilee he drove out demons from people. We hear of one specific example where he healed a man with leprosy. Jesus gets done with his ministry in Galilee, and now he heads back to Capernaum, his hometown for his ministry, right on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where you and I pick up in Mark chapter 2 this morning, as we talk about what this man asked Jesus for. Here we go. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Think about that. Jesus comes back home to Capernaum. He enters into a house, and all these people in the area just flock to the house. And they packed the house so full that the people spilled out of the house, wrapped around the house, trying to listen to Jesus preach and teach. And Jesus is just right there in the middle of it. People flocked to Jesus. Why? Because word spread quickly that Jesus wasn't just for the establishment. Jesus was for the outsider. Jesus was for the common people. And not only that, but he was healing people. (laughs) Uh, He's healing people, doing miracles. We want to see this Jesus guy. And that was the case for these four men who bring their paralyzed friend to see Jesus. And as they come to the house... What do they see? This line of people are out of the door. There's absolutely no way that these four guys are going to get their friend in to see Jesus by pushing the crowd away. It's just not going to happen. And so what do they do? They go up the stairs that are on the side of the house. First century Capernaum house. They had the house, the main entrance, and then right on the side was a stairway that led up to the roof, which was flat. And the house was made of some clay mixed with some other things. And so it's possible that you could break through it. And that's what these men did. They start pounding on the roof, digging until a hole is formed, and they could drop their friend down right in front of Jesus. Now imagine being in that house that day. We read it, and it, just like, it happens just like that. But think of the process that this would take. Jesus is preaching. And all of a sudden they start hearing banging on the roof. And one right after another, they kind of start looking up at the ceiling. What's going on up there? And pretty soon dust starts falling down on their heads. Jesus stops preaching and teaching. Everyone is silent as they look up at the ceiling. And a tiny hole appears. And all of a sudden there's some chatter going on, wondering what's happening. And then you see a man's face. As, as the dust continues to fall. And then the hole is big enough where they start dropping this paralyzed man down on his mat right in front of Jesus. And as soon as he's right in front of Jesus, everyone goes silent. Because is Jesus going to heal this man? What's Jesus going to do? It's clear what every, everyone knows what this man wants. Jesus knows what this man wants. And the man is there to be healed. If ma- Imagine being that guy. Imagine having the opportunity to be placed right before Jesus. What would you ask for? What kind of healing would you want? Something physical? Would that drastically change your life if you were healed in some physical way? Maybe it's an allergy to something. Maybe it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but man, would it be great to just not have that allergy or allergies in general? I could breathe, I could sleep, it'd be great. My spouse would love it because then I wouldn't snore at night. It would be amazing. It would drastically change my life and my spouse's life. Maybe it's a food allergy, celiac disease or some kind of other disease, uh, an allergy where a gluten allergy where if you eat it your stomach is in knots and you're in pain for the next several days and man it would drastically change your life if you didn't have to worry about what you ate anymore. Maybe it's some aches and pains maybe it's a back injury a neck injury maybe it's your hips your knees and if that would be healed it would drastically change your life. You could do a lot more things if you were just healed. Maybe it's not physical maybe it's some kind of sickness maybe it's just maybe it's i can't believe we're talking about it still but maybe it's covid if that could just go away with all its variants if jesus would just get rid of it it would change your life because then you can get back to normal then there's nothing to fear then you can live and be with people and not have to worry am i going to be down and out for 10 days am i going to end up on a respirator am i going to end up in the hospital just get it away jesus Maybe the healing you want isn't physical, but maybe it's emotional. Maybe if Jesus, if you could just heal me from the anxiety that I have. The anxiety that I have every single day as I think about life and what's going on. Jesus, if you could just heal me from the panic attacks that I have. I don't know why they come. I don't know what causes them. I just all of a sudden start panicking. If you could just heal me from that. Maybe it's emotional trauma that you went through when you were younger you're still carrying it with you today and you do a pretty good job of keeping it out but every once in a while it creeps back in Jesus if you could just heal me from that then I can move forward maybe it's fear just living in fear Jesus if, if you could just heal me from everything that scares me Jesus heal me. It would drastically change my life. That's what this man wanted. That's the opportunity this man had. He's laying before Jesus and he gets to ask Jesus to heal him. And it's going to drastically change his life. He came in laying on the mat and he's, he knows, he trusts Jesus, that he's going to leave walking out the door. It's going to drastically change his life. Here's how Jesus responded. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Imagine being that man. Once again, you're standing before Jesus trusting that Jesus is going to heal you and it's going to drastically change your life and then Jesus opens his mouth and he says son, daughter your sins are forgiven would you be a little disappointed in that? if I'm honest I think I would be here I've come with my hurts with my aches, with my pains with with what I want to be healed from and Jesus says son Your sins are forgiven. Here's what Jesus wants this man to know. Here's what he wants the crowd to know. Here's what he wants you and me to know today. It's your first point. Our biggest problem is sin, and our greatest need is forgiveness. The man's biggest problem was not that he couldn't walk. His biggest problem was sin. And his greatest need was not to walk out the door. His greatest need was the forgiveness of sins. And that's true for you and me today, too. We all come in with with the different areas in life that we want Jesus to heal us from. And yet, Jesus' point today is that your greatest need, my greatest need, is forgiveness. Your biggest problem, my biggest problem, is sin. And we need forgiveness. Does that offend you a little bit? That's a tension in this section of Scripture, isn't it? There's a tension here, and the tension is we know the hardships that we have. And sin doesn't seem like the biggest one. And so, Jesus, you're going to tell me that my biggest problem is sin and my greatest need is forgiveness, but I live in a physical world, I know the aches and pains. I know the hardships. I know the difficulties. And you're going to tell me that my biggest problem is sin? No, it's X, Y, and Z. That's my biggest problem, Jesus. See, the tension here is the fact that we've become insensitive to sin. That's really the tension, isn't it? The reason why this man that, that it kind of offends us and, and makes us uncomfortable that Jesus says your sins are forgiven is because we have all these problems, and it's not to, to to downplay your problems. They are hurt. They hurt. They're big. They're problematic. And yet Jesus says our greatest problem is sin. And the reason we don't think so is because we've become insensitive to sin. It's kind of like uh, the mom who was cooking a grilled cheese for her daughter for lunch. She was in the kitchen grilling up a grilled cheese, perfect summer day, perfect summer meal. uh, When all of a sudden her daughter comes running into the kitchen and says, hey mom, look, and she holds up her hand and says, my wrist is in the wrong place. And the mom looked and immediately knew that wrist is broken. There is no way a wrist should be where it's at. And she looked at her daughter and said, Oh my goodness, let's grab our things. We're going immediately to the emergency room. And the girl said, Oh man, but I want the grilled cheese. And the mom couldn't believe it. She didn't know why she wasn't crying, why she wasn't panicked, why she wasn't in so much pain. Turns out she wasn't in shock. She had a rare disease where she's insensitive to pain. And they didn't know it. And so she didn't even feel her wrist. But what she knew she needed or wanted was that grilled cheese in her tummy. That's how you and I are with sin. We've become so insensitive to it that we don't even see it as a problem anymore. Don't get me wrong, we see it in other people and we see how horrifying it is in other people, don't we? We see what they do, we see what they say, what they do and it is so horrifying that we cannot believe it and that's why cancel culture exists. And we just witnessed it again this week with the the new host of Jeopardy having to resign because of things that he said in the past. And that's not to diminish them. It's not to say that it's not a problem. It's not to excuse it. But here's what I wonder. I wonder how many people that called for his resignation say the exact same things to their family and to their friends. But it's not horrifying because it's in them. It's insen- they've become insensitive to their own sin, but they see the sin in others and think it's so horrifying. And sin is horrifying. Sin is horrifying. And yet we've become insensitive to our own sin. Sin is what keeps you and me out of heaven. Sin is the disease that each and every one of us has, and it's our biggest problem. Jesus could have healed the man, just like he can heal you of anything that you're going through. But that healing would only allow that man to walk for maybe 30, 40, 50 years down the streets of Capernaum. But then he'd crawl right into the fires of hell. And the same is true for you and me. Jesus can take away our problems. He has the power to do so but that would last us 30 40 50 years and then just like that man we'd crawl into the fires of hell if our horrifying sin hasn't been taken care of and that's why it's such an amazing thing jesus looks and he sees the faith of this man and he doesn't heal him physically instead he heals him spiritually as he says son your sins are forgiven. And that's true for you and me today. Jesus sees our faith in Him as our Savior and He says to you, daughter, son, your sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, we can stand confidently before God. Because of Jesus, we stand upright before Him because we've been healed of our sins as He says, your sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, We won't crawl into hell, but we will walk confidently through the gates of heaven and down the streets of of the New Jerusalem forever. Because our sins are forgiven through Jesus. Because of Jesus, your past doesn't have to haunt you today and in the future. Your sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, you don't have to prove yourself. Your sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, you don't have to defend yourself. Your sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, you are completely healed of everything that deserves death. Because of Jesus, we know and we can stand confidently that our sins are forgiven. Sin is our biggest problem. Our greatest need is forgiveness, and through Jesus, that's exactly what you and I have. But here's how the story ends. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Real quick, a lot of people like to say Jesus never claimed to be God, and yet the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious leaders of the day knew what Jesus was claiming with all of this. He's claiming to be God because he's claiming to do what only God can do, which is forgive sins. And they're thinking this to themselves. and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. That only God has the authority to forgive sins. And so he asked, what's easier? The, the easiest option would say that to this paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven, right? Because no one can prove it. No one can prove it. But if Jesus were to say to this man, get up, take your mat and walk, and he doesn't get up, take his mat and walk, clearly Jesus has no authority. And So Jesus says, I want you to know that I have authority to forgive sin. So, paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and walk. And he does. And the healing is quite literally miraculous. Who knows how long this guy hadn't been able to walk and yet he gets up His muscles work. He doesn't have to have rehab. The muscle memory works, and he walks out as if he walked right in beforehand. Complete healing. But why did Jesus do it? To show that he has authority to forgive sins. It's interesting to think about, isn't it? If those people hadn't been thinking that in their hearts, would Jesus have healed him? don't know don't know but he healed him spiritually and in order to prove that he had authority to forgive sins he healed the man so that he could walk out the front door jesus has the authority to forgive your sins and that's your second point straightforward jesus has authority to forgive you your sins and how does he prove it to you not by taking away your problems not by healing you from the physical things or emotional things that you're going through. He proved it at the cross and the empty tomb. You want to talk about authority. Jesus took our disease of sin on himself, became infected with our disease. That's what the Bible said. He became our sin. He took our sins on himself and went to the cross where he paid for them. He gave us the antidote to sin, and it is his shed blood on the cross. And then he gave us the vaccine to save us from death, and it was his resurrection. So that even though we die, we will live. Jesus has the authority. He died, and he rose again, proving he's conquered sin, proving he's conquered the grave. And now you and I know without a doubt that when Jesus says, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven, they are. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to prove you're worthy of it. Jesus says your sins are forgiven because of what I've done for you. And I have the authority to forgive sins. Because I died and rose again. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. It is the thing that has drastically changed our life, both now and forever. We come to Jesus, and what do we come for him, to Him for? It's to be changed. how does he change us? By saying your sins are forgiven. We live in joy. We live in confidence. We live knowing that we stand upright before God and that when we stand before the gates of heaven, we can walk in confidently, joyfully, because our sins have been forgiven through Jesus. It is the thing that has drastically changed our life. And now, we get to go and drastically change someone else's life. How? If we want to drastically change someone else's life, forgive them. Especially in our culture where you sin once and it's public. You will be canceled. We have the ability to change someone's life by announcing to them, Jesus forgives you. I forgive you. Let me tell you about the forgiveness of sins. Let me tell you why you can stand before God upright. Let me tell you, why you can have joy and confidence as you go to sleep. Let me tell you why you can live every day guilt-free, shame-free. It's because Jesus has forgiven your sins. And we get to drastically change someone's life as we tell them that news. I believe in the forgiveness of sins because it drastically changes our life, both now and forever. Let's cherish it. Let's spread it. Let's be joyful because we live in forgiveness. Let's pray. Dear Jesus that man left that day with joy. Yes because he was healed physically but the joy and the confidence came from the fact that you forgave him his sins and that he could stand before God confident that he didn't do anything wrong uh, and that even when he does do something wrong you forgave him. What a joy it is for us to know that our sins are forgiven. That Uh, whether we do something wrong or not, we don't have reason to feel guilty or shame because you have forgiven us our sins. That gives us joy and confidence today to stand before God. We thank you that we can stand upright before him and that when our time comes and we die, we know without a doubt that we will enter heaven because you have forgiven us our sins. Thank you for taking care of our biggest problem and, uh, uh, and taking away our biggest need. Lead us, guide us, And continue to let us grow in this forgiveness that you have for us. So that we may live a life changed, drastically changed by the forgiveness of sins. In your name we pray. Amen.